This morning, I'm very excited. We have a, a guest speaker this morning. He's really not a guest. He's a friend of our ministry. Uh, Derek Bocamp has shared with us many times, so let's welcome Derek. All right. Hey, good morning, and so good to see you all. Uh, this is my weekend I get to spend with you guys each year. And so uh, I didn't think when I was with you all last year that we would have then all gone through the year we just did. Uh, but hey, here we are online and in person, and God is still good. Amen? All right. Hey, we did it. We did it. Um, I, I'm just honored, though, to get to, to be here and really hope that you had a Merry Christmas. Uh, I live over in Prescott. That's where my wife and I uh, live, and we've served at United Christian Youth Camp for the last five years, uh, which is where uh, many of your students go to camp. And so, uh, really, I, I do think of myself as, as part of the Verde Valley family, and I'm looking forward to our time today. And as has been mentioned a couple times, and you'll see it on the screen, we are in a great series called Hope on the Horizon. And I think that that is such a perfectly named series, and I, I loved, I've been able to listen online throughout the series, and we're just going to be looking today at what we have to be hopeful for. And you've been looking in different prophecies in the book of Isaiah and different promises from God. And what we're doing is instead of listening to the noise of the world, we're trying to kind of camp and couch in, in God's word. And we're just going to continue doing that today. And so here's the two things we're going to be focusing on. We're going to reflect on this past year. <laughs> Some of you are like, please, no. No more. We're going to reflect on this past year. And then, good news, we're going to look forward to next year. That's what we're doing this morning. We're going to reflect a little bit together past year. We're going to look forward to next year. And so whoever you are, whatever you walked in with, whatever's happened in this last season, whether you're on fire for the Lord like never before, or you're really wondering what he's been up to this year, wherever you're at in that spectrum, it's my hope that together we just see a little bit more of who the Lord is and that we walk out of here with some hope. Let's start with reflecting. Uh, I, I'm a big basketball fan. I sometimes talk about this. I, I loved playing the sport. I love watching the sport. And you right, might remember that in January of 2020, 35 years ago, uh, <laughs> that Kobe Bryant passed away. And I remember thinking, how could this year get any worse? And I feel like God's like, I'm about to show you. <laughs> right? I, I, I was chuckling. Here's been my experience, so I can lead with a little bit of humility and authenticity of this past year. In March, and of course this had to happen this way, we had kind of just got done with a really busy season at the camp. We had had guests every weekend. We'd already had several thousand people several months into March, and so I was tired, and right around March 10th, right before everything got crazy with COVID, I made the brilliant decision to go on an off-the-grid camping trip. And so on March 10th, shortly before everything started shutting down, I turned my phone off and went away for about a week. I had no idea what was going on in culture. At the campsite I was staying at, I had a little bit of an idea because when I got there, all of the campsites were filled and slowly they started to empty. And I thought, that's kind of weird. It's beautiful weather. Where's everyone going? 
And then there'd be a couple of people in the campsites around me talking about something that they were calling the Corolla virus. And I'm like, the Corolla, like the really bad phones in the early 2000s before we got it, the Corolla, right? And so I power my phone back on and my wife joins me on the camping trip and I'm going, holy cow, there's some craziness going on. And like you, we lived it real time. We were several hours away from our home and on our way back, we decided to stop at a grocery store so that we could grab some deli sandwiches. And I don't know what the experience was in Verde Valley, but when we walked in, I thought World War III had begun, right? There's no toilet paper, there's no food. I'm starting to get anxious and I'm not an anxious person. We get back to the camp where our leadership team gets together And we make what we think is just a generous, kind, gracious decision that, hey, for just the next eight weeks, we're not going to have any groups at our camp, right? We're going to close down like many things were, and we're just going to pause for eight weeks. Little did we know, right, that that eight weeks was going to become 12 weeks, 16 weeks, three months, four months, five months, six months. Very authentically to you, tremendously challenging season because like churches, our camp was in the ministry, was in the business, was in the focus of large group gatherings. And listen to this. If you think online church is hard, I don't even, don't even get me started on trying to do online camp, okay? So in the last eight months or so at our camp, we, we had to do what a lot of organizations had to do. Before COVID, we had 50 full-time year-round staff members. We let 35 of them go. We had no revenue stream. These are people, right, that you're doing life with and you're doing ministry with and you've been at their weddings and you've met their children and you say goodbye. (laughs) I joked with my wife a few times that I kind of felt like the Rambo of ministry as you're mowing all your friends down and saying goodbye and trying to survive. And I don't know what your experience has been, but I've had moments where there's been fear and there's been anxiety and there's been challenge. That's part of what this year's held for me. And while there's a lot at the tail end of 2020 that we could probably all disagree on, right? I think there are a few things we can agree on in reflecting on this last year. One of the things we can agree on is that our world is pretty fragile, right? Our ideas of what stability is are shattered pretty quickly when we don't know if our kids can go to school or not, or if our church is going to be able to be open. We think our world's fragile when in those first few months, we're looking at the stock market and it literally looks like a heartbeat thermometer, right? inexplicably going up endlessly and then back down. Our world's fragile when we realize that our leaders don't know everything. Some of you are like, darn right they don't, right? (laughs) We can all agree that our world is fragile, and 2020's made that pretty clear. I think we can all agree that we've seen that people are scared. To be blunt, people are scared because of the election that occurred, (laughs) maybe because of the results People are scared because of this illness, maybe not of the illness, but of what it does to their way of life. People are scared because traditions and routines have been shaken and even shattered. 
I'm in ministry, and so there's something that happens to those of us in ministry every now and then where people like to tell us that, that some of these prophecies that are really scary in the Bible are coming true. <laughs> and in 2020, if I had a nickel for every time someone told me the world was going to end, I, I'd probably have 20 nickels, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you think about 20 conversations about the world ending in eight months, that's a lot on a guy. <laughs> people are scared. I think a third thing we can all agree on and reflecting on this last year is, man, don't you just have a sense that we've just got to be better as human beings? That like some of the things we've seen online or in person or on the news or the things we've seen other people that we know do to others, like haven't you just had a moment where you're leaning on your kitchen counter and you're going, man, we've got to be better than this? I have. (laughs) I think those are a few things we can agree on, and I know they're not the most positive, but I'm just trying to come to you as honestly as I can before we open up God's Word. Here's what I know. It's easy for me to get up here, and we can, we can laugh, and we can think, and we can reflect a little bit, and right when I say, hey, our world is fragile, and people are scared, and gosh, people ought to do better, we can kind of nod and be like, yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. But if we're honest— And if you're like me, I've also realized that those statements apply to where I'm at. As a man, I don't fully want to admit that. I don't want to say, man, I feel fragile this year. I've been scared this year. Right? I had my wife, when this was all first going on, making the early morning runs to Walmart so we could stockpile supplies. I'm thinking, what? What's going on in my spirit? Realize that I've been scared. I've realized that I have to do better as a human being. And so as you reflect on this last year, I just want to ask you, and I'm not trying to lead you to one conclusion, only you know, but I just want to ask you, how have you been? How are you doing? When you think about this past year, did you raise up the banner of Christ and represent that? Has it Has it been a year that's been characterized by fear and anxiety and pain? It's probably somewhere in the middle. What has this last year looked like for you? It's important to know that because if we want 2021 to be better, is that something we can also all agree on? No one here is going, I don't know, man. I really peaked in 2020. I haven't heard anyone say that to me yet. If we want 2021 to be better, we ought to know what's up in our spirits And then we should look at 2021 in God's word and just say, hey, how do we do this thing well? So for the rest of our time, we're just going to look forward. And I want you to actually imagine looking forward, right? You might say, hey, I'm looking forward to this trip. I'm looking forward to this new job opportunity. Actually imagine those two words. I want to look forward, (laughs) right? Because where I'm looking, there my attention, and there my focus is. We're going to look forward through God's Word into 2020. You guys have been in the book of Isaiah, and Isaiah is a tremendous book in the Bible. He's one of the prophets, right? And so a prophet is telling its divine revelation, its divine words from God through people about what God is up to, It's a prophecy, and it's been tremendous getting to listen online and look at God's promises. And I can't think of a better way to frame up 2021 than by actually going backward 
into God's promises to set up our future. As Jim's mentioned, the book of Isaiah and these prophecies about seven to eight hundred years before the birth of Christ. And the prophecy we're going to be looking at today in Isaiah chapter 53 is going to be very specifically talking about Jesus. And I want to point something out. This is going to be, I want to make this real for you. 700 years before Jesus' birth, this prophecy is made. Imagine 700 years ago from 2020. 1320. Does anyone know anything that happened in 1320? <laughs> right? It was dark. There were plagues. You know, oh, it kind of sounds like right now even a little bit. But imagine if we found a scroll from 1320 making a prediction on 700 years later. I'll make it lighthearted for you. We find a scroll in a cave dated from the 1300s, and it talks about a man named Thomas Brady. And Sir Thomas Brady played a sport called football. And he was to be known as the ageless man. And they would tell of him on ESPN far and wide. And he would play for the nation of the Patriots. He was then a traitor and went to the Buccaneers. He kept winning. He would not die. Right? Like, so when we're reading this, let's, let's make that real. That's what's going on. It's 700 years beforehand, and they're going to nail it. Let's jump in. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1, it says, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Let's pause there for a second, because if you've ever tried to read parts of the Old Testament, you get to verses like that, and you go, at least for me, I, huh? <laughs> Who? So here's what's happening when it says, who's believed our message? Right before this, at the tail end of chapter 52, they're starting to talk about this coming Savior. And then we get this phrase, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? To make this very real, what God is doing at the beginning of Isaiah 53 is he's welcoming us in. Imagine the arm of the Lord being revealed. I'm telling you about something, right? Welcome into my home. Hey, you're a good friend of mine. God's saying, hey, I have something that I need you to know. I'm revealing something personal. And then in verse 2, it says, here's where the, the prophecy really begins. He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Okay, so they're starting to make a picture. Imagine this would have been very different than what God's people, the Israelites, were thinking when it came to their promised one. This has been talked about a little bit already in this series, Hope on the Horizon, but they were thinking they were getting a Davidic king, right? A mighty warrior. So this prophecy is going to be niche, <laughs> to say the least. But they talk about someone who's going to come out like a tender shoot. Not like a redwood tree, but a, a tender shoot from a plant. Like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty, right? We know this. It's almost like he was born in a stable. <laughs> almost like this person they're talking about is not going to come from a family of acclaim. 
almost like they might be a carpenter, like a root out of dry ground with no majesty, no crown right away, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. In verse four, it says, surely, we're skipping over one transitional verse right there, but in verse four, it says, surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. This is what we see in the New Testament happening, that that Jesus goes to the cross and humans being sinners, being imperfect, go, that's right, that's what he deserved. (laughs) Surely it took up our pain, but that's, that's really because he deserved it, right? In verse five, it says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. You see that turn of phrase there? Not because he was a bad man, but because we are not perfect people. He was crushed for our iniquities, The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Verse six, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. Friends, 700 years before Jesus appears on the scene of history, we are getting a play-by-play. It's early access. It's early release. There's no question who they're talking about in history. You can't find it, can you? Born of humble beginnings. And then the gospel, what we believe as Christians to be the good news, is this, that it uses phrases like, our iniquities that you and I are not perfect. The Bible has a word for it. It's sin. I'm a sinner. I make mistakes all the time. I've sinned in this past week. I fall short as a husband. I fall short as a friend. I fall short as a son. I'm not perfect. Neither are you. When we reflect and I said, hey, we're fragile. We have fear. We're scared. There's these moments that happen if we're being honest, right? It says, yeah, all those iniquities, He's pierced for them. He's crushed for them. And it says that the punishment that brought us peace was on him. This is the good news of the gospel. This is filled with hope, right? It's saying, hey, you have all of these things, but what is being described in scripture specifically is we also have Jesus. And that is good news for us today. And here's the good, here's the even better news. Verse seven does not go on and say, now because this person was pierced for our, our transgressions and our iniquities, because of all that, verse, in verse seven, I therefore say, be very anxious about COVID-19 <laughs> and be very concerned about the election and scroll through Facebook trying to get to the end of it. That's not what God's saying here. Saying, you're not perfect, and there is a Savior, and that's good news. I've heard Jim say it a few times, but I'm not God of the universe. This should be refreshing for our spirits as we look back on this last year that really demonstrated the limits of human beings, that everything could be shut down in a heartbeat. When we look back and we go, man, this thing is fragile, we look forward and we say, God is making promises that are coming into action. 
that there is a Lord, there is a Savior. I'm going to read you a larger chunk of scripture just to encourage you. It is what verse 7 says. It says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Who of his generation protested? He was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hands. Verse 11, last one we're going to read. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. I know it's formal language, and it can be hard to connect with, but this should be a deep exhale for us. It's the story of Jesus, friends, (laughs) that he suffers. His peers reject him. The people he's been healing, the people he's been doing life with flee from him. He's left all alone. It says the will of God, part of the plan of God, is that this would happen because God does have a plan. But then it also says that the will of the Lord is going to prosper. So if you're taking notes today, based on what we've just read, this prophecy, this promise from God, here's what I want to encourage you with. In 2021, you can have hope says hope on the horizon. In 2021, you can have hope. Why? That's what I'm just talking about, right? If God can nail it in a 700-year prophecy, don't you think he's got one year in the bag? In verse 5, it promises that we're going to have peace. This word peace, don't you want more of that? That's a promise from God. We can have hope in 2021 because God promises us peace. Peace is best demonstrated, in my opinion, by when it's not there. And I'll go with a lighthearted example. For any of you who, who have a significant other, I'll, I'll knock myself down a couple of pegs. Sometimes I will say something that I shouldn't to my wife, right? The Bible calls that putting your foot in your mouth, I think. And what will happen is then, because I'm a stubborn sinner filled with iniquity and all that, uh, I don't apologize right away, confession time. But what I do, maybe some of the guys in this room, you do this too, I, I, and I'm a rookie. I'm just a few years into this thing. So you might, you might grab me on the shoulder after this and say, hey, I got some ideas for you. But what I do is I then don't say sorry. I just try to make it okay by acting like everything's okay. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I'm gonna grab the trash. Let me grab the trash. And I'm making dinner, you know, and you're kind of looking for the nod and the like, I love you. Thank you for loving me as Christ loves the church, you know, and you're like, where, where is that at right now? R- right? And you can tell we're not at peace. <laughs> it's unsettled. 
in the Bible, when God promises peace to his people, there's an exchange that occurs where we can have peace if we will just put our faith and our hope in the Lord. Right? So why can we have hope? Because God promises peace for you. But it doesn't come from being constantly stressed, angry, anxious about everything else. It comes from saying, Lord says I have peace. I know the work Jesus did for me. Another thing it says in this prophecy is that because of what Jesus does, we have healing. There's healing. What we believe as Jesus followers is that God is setting all things right. And that when we step into the Jesus life, when we say, hey, I want to follow Jesus, that there's work that starts to be done on us. That we receive the Holy Spirit and that God is making us, there's phrases throughout the New Testament, into a new creation. Meaning that the Derek that visited you one year ago today is in the process of being healed. That God's pointed out things in my life. He's doing work in my spirit I'm up here, I'm hopefully more patient, hopefully more gracious, hoping, hoping to be more loving. Maybe I say sorry a little quicker now. We can have hope because we believe that God is healing. That he wants to use us and for us to be open to the work that he is doing. It's a very dark mindset to be in and maybe we've all had a dark night like this this year to think that the world is just purely decay. And we don't believe as Christians that this is our forever home. Don't hear me wrong on that. But we do believe that while we're still here, God's not done. And that there's still healing and work that can happen. And because of that, we have hope. I pointed this out in verse 10, and it just says, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And and the part I want to highlight for you is, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. The will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. If you are a follower of Jesus, this is tremendously restful and good for us. We believe that when Jesus ascends, that right now he is with the Lord, that he is sitting with God the Father. And that God's will, which is that people would come to know him and that disciples would be made and that the church would do good on earth, that all of these things, that will is going to occur. And so we can have hope because when things are at their darkest point, that's where we can really go after this thing. The will of the Lord will prosper in Jesus' hand. And as Christians, that's where we put our faith in theory, (laughs) right? Because there's been a lot of times where I've put my faith in the next hot take on when COVID's going to get over and when we can open the camp and when we can do this and this is what's going to happen in the election and here's all the predictions and, you know, the will of the Lord will prosper as long as I'm really feeling like it should that day. (laughs) Yeah? No, no, no. The Bible promises that the will of the Lord will prosper in Jesus' hands. And if we'll really start to take that seriously, we're going to have hope. We're going to be, dare I say, positive, (laughs) optimistic, best days ahead. This is what's accessible to Christians. 
me tell you something. I, I don't want to speak. As a preacher, you should watch out when you're speaking for God, but I don't think it's a stretch to say, based on what we see in Isaiah 53, that God did not have anxiety on election day this year. He wasn't pacing back and forth and saying, get me Gabriel, I need to make a phone call. God didn't take a weekend away in March when COVID exploded. <laughs> he wasn't with his family on Mars and turned off his phone thinking it would be okay only to come back and go, what a, what a huge issue we have going on here. He's got a plan. He's got this. And even better, we're his people. So he doesn't want us just to endure or to be fearful or to burrow in 2021. He has work for us to do. As Christians, we do not need to live in chronic anger, fear, or anxiety. And I've lived in all three at different points this year. But I don't want that in 2021. So here are a few really practical things you can do. I would really encourage, whether online or in person, to be engaged in the life of the church. Okay? I, I truly believe that God still is going to use this vehicle for tremendously powerful purposes moving forward. If you want to have hope, be plugged in regularly into the life of the church. Things that we know to do that we often don't, if you want to have hope in 2021, be in God's word. I really regret to admit that there are a lot of days this year where I've read more scary tweets and Facebook posts than I have of God's word. And then I lay in bed and wonder why I can't sleep or why I feel frustrated or angry. We want to have hope. I really want to encourage you in 2021, get in God's word. When we're worshiping, something I'm practically trying to work on right now is I'm not just kind of like humming along and da, da, da. I'm trying to sing the words and I'm trying to ingest the words, right? The, the song we sang this morning, that this is how I fight my battles. It's through prayer, right? Oh, that's a catchy melody. It also works. <laughs> that's the kind of person I want to be. I want to be filled with hope. I want to be doing the things that God says for me. And that's what I would encourage you with in 2021. Really practical thing that I think is um, relevant since we all have computers in our pockets these days. I think another way you can have hope is scale back on things you can't control. And for many of us, that's social media. And I know that's niche, and I don't know if you do or don't struggle with it. But Here's what I've noticed. Facebook has a slogan. Maybe you've seen this before as a push notification or an email on your phone or when you get on the app. Their slogan is, see what your friends are up to. <laughs> and sometimes I'll get fooled and I'll say, okay, I'd love to see what my friends are up to. Nope. Wrong year for that. <laughs> Apparently all of my friends from high school went and got master's degrees in infectious disease and political science. And now they're going to use Facebook as their public platform to let me know about it. <laughs> For me, I've taken it all off my phone. I'm tired of reading a bunch of people who are incentivized to scare me and not inform me. And I would encourage you that if you're on your phone before you're going to bed and you're scrolling, it's the first thing you look at when you wake up. As someone who's learning it right alongside you, I don't think it's how we were designed and I don't think it's good for our spirits. 
And if we want to cultivate a spirit of hope, I really, as a brother in Christ who doesn't have it figured out, I want to encourage you, like, let's, let's lean into the promises in Isaiah. Let's fill our time with hope when we wake up in the morning in God's word, when we go to bed at night. Let's not spend it scrolling, looking for the next take or breaking news or I don't think it's God's best for us. In 2021, here's the second if you're taking notes. In 2021, you can spread hope. I should say third. In 2021, you can spread hope. I don't know how you like to watch your movies, but uh, if you're someone who likes to know the end, even if you haven't seen it before, I'm so sorry that you live your life that way. That's that my wife is that way. Like if I've seen a movie and she hasn't, she wants to just know, hey, how does it end? Like, why do you want to know that? I don't want to be anxious. Whoa, no, no, no. Like we want to enjoy this movie together, right? So she loves though knowing the end of the movie. Right now, everyone wants to know how it's going to end. <laughs> As Christians, we believe that we know. We have hope. We know that God's got this, that he's working all things together for his good. And in 2021, instead of spreading fear or anxiety or saying things are getting worse, what if we were people who spread hope? It's no secret that when you look online or wherever you're looking, there are a lot of people spreading hatred, anger, anxiety, fear. And there are Christians doing that. That's not what God calls us to, though. Right now is a golden time for Christ followers to spread the message of Jesus, that there is a God and that you're loved. In 2021, what's the way that you can spread hope? A couple of practical things for you. Maybe in 2021, it's finally time to talk to someone you care about, about God. You've waited a long time. You work with them. Maybe they're a family member. I don't know. Maybe it's time to finally say, hey, I want to talk to you about this hope that I have. In 2021, maybe you'll channel some of your energy. And if you have anxious energy, here's a great way to channel it. Help someone else. Be a light on Facebook, right? Post, I'm looking to help someone. (laughs) Everyone will be like, what's the catch? There's no catch. I just want to spread hope. Spend some time praying when you're frustrated. So angry that this happened on the national level. I'm so angry that this is going on. When that happens, pray. Let's just take the action we can and release the rest. We want to spread hope. We have a Lord and a Savior. We're right with him. We want to be people who live in hope, and we want to be people who spread hope. I want to end our time. I'm going to read you a quote, and I hope that it frames up for you that the world is not always a stable place, and it hasn't been. The illusion that everything's been perfect and we just need to get back to that, it's an illusion. And so the quote I'm going to read you is from a journalist named Malcolm Mugridge. He was an English journalist in the 1900s, and he followed many of the events that occurred. 
I'm a huge fan of history, and so he closely follows World War II, the Vietnam War, Watergate, and he pens this quote. He becomes a believer in that time, and after he's been on the ground in all of these moments, here's the quote that he pens, and it's a longer quote, but this is how we'll end. And as I read it, I just want you to think, think about the words. Malcolm Muggeridge writes, we look back upon history and what do we see? Empires rising and empires falling, revolutions and counter-revolutions, wealth accumulating and then wealth dispersed, one nation is dominant and then another. In one lifetime, I have seen my own country of Great Britain ruling over a quarter of the world, the great majority of them convinced that God who's made them mighty would make them mightier yet. During World War II, I heard a crazed, cracked Austrian proclaim to the world the establishment of a German Reich that would last a thousand years. And I heard an Italian clown announce that he would restart the calendar to begin with his own assumption to power. I heard a murderous Russian dictator in the Kremlin acclaimed by the intellectuals as the wisest man alive. I've seen America wealthier and in terms of military weaponry, more powerful than all of the rest of the world put together. So that Americans, had we so wished, could have outdone, the, could have outdone Alexander or Julius Caesar in the range and scale of our conquests. All in one lifetime, all in one lifetime, all gone and gone with the wind. England is part of an island off the coast of Europe it's threatened with dismemberment, even bankruptcy. Adolf Hitler, Benito Mussolini are dead and remembered only in infamy. Joseph Stalin is a forbidden name in the regime he helped to found and dominate for some three decades. America has been haunted by fears of running out of oil, economy, smog settling, troubled memories of military campaigns, and great victories of the media. All in one lifetime, all in one lifetime, all gone and all gone with the wind. And behind the debris of these solemn supermen, these self-styled diplomats, there stands the gigantic figure of one. Because of whom, by whom, in whom, and through whom alone, mankind may still have peace. That person is Jesus Christ. I present him as the way, the truth, and the life. Our world is uncertain. Our times are uncertain. Our leaders are not perfect. Our God is. And in 2021, as a brother in Christ, I want to encourage you to take hope in the message that will not go away, and that's the message of Jesus, and to spread hope. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for my time today with this church, and I pray for each and every one in here as we go into another year, that we would be people who have hope, Lord, that we believe the promises of Jesus, that we believe in the prophecy that we see, and God, that we'd be people who spread hope, that you would give us those opportunities and those moments, Lord. And I pray that this coming year, we don't know what it'll bring, but Lord, that we would see more people come to know you. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.